0: looks like new on kg news it's the economy i'm nathan schneider a professor of media studies at cu boulder this is a show that asks old questions about new technology we join you on the fourth thursday of every month on old-fashioned radio or you can listen online as a podcast looks like new is a production of the media enterprise design lab at cu boulder this month our guest is Simon Galperin, who's the founder and director of the Community Information Cooperative, which develops and promotes the idea of community information districts. This is an idea that is under discussion uh, at in Longmont here in Colorado and uh, may be spreading uh, around the country next. He's also a customer success lead at GroundSource, which is a community engagement platform and a fellow at the Reynolds Journalism Institute at the University of Missouri. Um, we'll be talking about the question of whether information is a public good, and, and if so, what do we do about that? Now, this comes in the context of an ongoing revival uh, of journalism in Colorado. We've, we've seen uh, our news industry really suffocated and, and um, severely reduced by outside investor ownership. Um, But in the last year, we've seen the birth of um, some really interesting new efforts, including the Colorado Sun, uh, which is a new statewide news uh, website doing investigative reporting. Uh, It's also part of uh, a broader uh, project using blockchain technology, like what underlies Bitcoin called Civil, connecting news organizations around the world um, protecting their data and uh, trying to create a new kind of news association. And we also have a, a Colorado media project supported by uh, regional philanthropy that's, that's uh, helping uh, to connect uh, uh, Colorado journalists in new ways and helping to support the development, development of new, uh, new sources as well as helping to strengthen existing ones. Um, so people are looking to new technologies um, and new models. Um, this search for a new model that can save journalism has uh, uh, been, uh, uh, you know, I know sw- sw- swirling around in my midst since my first job out of out of graduate school, when I worked at the New York Times in around 2008, right when the sky was really falling. Um, everybody was asking, what is the new model? What's going to make this all work? Um, but in Longmont here, Um, inspired by some of Simon's ideas, um, we're looking at actually a new application of an old idea, Um, taking the idea of library districts, of of communities um, funding through taxation, uh, the spreading and accessibility of information in their communities, um, and turning it to the challenge of journalism. Now, this idea is being discussed. It's also being I think in many cases, attacked and dismissed by media organizations around the state. There are fears that it'll bring about government interfer- interference in the news. Um, uh, but but I think those concerns sometimes neglect the way in which um, the news has always been um, intertwined with government. Going back to the Postal Act of 1792 that created a subsidy for newspapers and magazines uh, to uh, uh you know, be mailed through through the um, uh, through the postal service, and then through uh, initiatives like the Corporation for Public Broadcasting here in the U.S. and the BBC and uh, in the in the UK and many other um, uh, uh, respectable, reputable, um, independent news agencies uh, that are nevertheless intertwined with uh, with government and with public support. Um, Libraries are, of course, an example of this. This is a, a form uh, of of information uh, storage and accessibility that, um, you know, in a way paradoxically has seen cuts and attacks at the very moment that we think of ourselves as being in an information age. Um, what that suggests is that maybe this information age is is you know in large part a privatization project, a turning of uh, our, our information storehouses from a public asset to a private one, turning you know, the Library of Congress into uh, uh, replacing it with Google, uh, with Google Books. Um, and Simon's work asks, what would it look like if we really had uh, a public information ecosystem uh, 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 suited for the 21st century? Um, so we're gonna turn to him for some broader context. Um, Simon, thank you so much for joining us. Can can you tell us a bit about how this idea developed of an information district? Where did this this come from and what is it?
1: Sure, Um, and thank you for having me. Um, So the information district idea was uh, incubated at the Newmark Graduate School of Journalism uh, at the City University of New York, modeled after the student media fee at Rutgers University. Um, I attended Rutgers University in New Brunswick at and did and launched my own local news organization there and at the time did some work looking into how the student media, rather the student newspaper there, the Daily Targum, was funded and what I found was that every student on campus, about 30000 pays a 10 to $12 student media fee every semester. That fee is a uh, Reimbursable, So a student can send the Daily Targum an email asking for their money returned and the paper will do that. But for the most part, students don't do that. And the Daily Targum receives its funding through the, from the university through that student media fee, but is itself a separate, independent nonprofit with its own board and its own sort of process. So the university collects this money from the students and gives it to the student newspaper. And it's a very clear coordination solution to the very first problem in local news, which is a lack of funding. Um, You know, there's this thing that actually you wrote about, Nate, um, in your book, Everything for Everyone, (laughs) soft plug there. I'll take it. (laughs) Called uh, Missing Markets. Right, the idea that there's a lack of information and coordination and trust in a space to to launch a solution to people's needs, to effectively fund a public good. Uh, So this student media fee mechanism did that in this space, um, where um, typically, you know, you don't see student newspapers with a print edition, printing every day for two semesters, right? Um, in fact, you see cutbacks, cutbacks of student media. In, in New Jersey, <clears throat> the only two universities with a print paper still with a daily print paper is the Princeton University and Rutgers University. Um, so we got to thinking of how can we apply the same mechanism to a local community, a geographic area, a town, a county. And of course, the, uh, this is, of course, this is a question that has been answered before for other services. And that's effectively a special service district. Um, special service districts exist around the country. Um, they are named different things, but effectively they are similar to a, a business improvement district, um, which is an additional tax, a property tax or a sales tax, depending on the state you're in, um, that creates a pool of money that then gets allotted to a specific public service. Um, In the case of the Longmont work you mentioned, Colorado has a library district law, which allows communities, municipalities, counties to establish library districts and uh, assess an additional property tax on folks and fund your local public library and its associated services. You know, talking about, I think that framework you offered is really fascinating, thinking about the disinvestment in libraries as a privatization effort. You know, similar to what we would see under disaster capitalism sort of approaches, right? After New Orleans, after Puerto Rico, after Katrina, and after um, Hurricane, was it Irene? No, goodness, the hurricanes blur. Oh, Hurricane Harvey, right, in Puerto Rico. Um, taking the opportunity in, in a moment of disinvestment and disaster to build a private alternative. It's uh, a really interesting framework you offer, and I think that um, libraries stand almost alone in the space of community key of keystone institutions um, for a public media space
0: yeah well it's it's I'm interesting that interest. you you took inspiration from a, a university context you know it, it when I think of the the um, information ecosystem for instance at the University of Colorado Boulder you know where where we had a kind of uh, disaster capitalism in a way where there was a crisis um, uh, about something that was published in the paper some years back, and that actually led to the elimination essentially of the print paper and uh, uh, the hollowing out. There's still a CU independent online, but it's uh, unfortunately very poorly supported um, you know, the people working on it are doing their best, their colleagues, and I appreciate what they do, but, they, but um, it, it's not supported the way it should be. Um, there was a faculty paper and it was um, eliminated as well. And uh, the result is an information ecosystem where, um, where we get press releases from the administration, essentially, and then people pass information uh, around kind of informally through a variety of social media channels Um, And it just it it, there's freedom of information, but it's kind of fragmented and um, and uh, both privatized and then uh, turned into and then there's a kind of state media outlet, you could say um so so you know to to in when I think of like where are we heading as a society what what is kind of the destination of the the trajectories we 're on? I think the university of colorado's news ecosystem might be about what we 're headed toward and and that 's a little disturbing so it's it's neat that you were able to draw inspiration from uh from another kind of example
1: absolutely i think that um the for the market forces find opportunity in every crisis, right, to expand, to create a new market for a thing or um, seek to privatize or maximize profit in a space. And we've seen that occur through our national inform- and international information ecosystem with Google and Facebook, um, built on public technology effectively um, and, and privatized it um, and created an ecosystem where there's only you know, a handful of players and everyone relies on them and they have effectively unchecked power. Um, So, and that is that is the, you know, the info district approach seeks to create local funding for news and information providers. Um, But it's not just about the money, right? It's not just about the capital, which solves the financing problem, the revenue problem for local news. It is also about creating a mechanism by which we can begin to regain trust in our news and information institutions. The special service district rules, at least in um, the state of New Jersey where I live, allow for the election of a board to run that special service district. In the case of business improvement districts, it's typically just the local business owners. With an info district, the idea is, is that everybody in town is a stakeholder and therefore everybody in town gets to vote on it, effectively creating a, a public board. Um, hopefully, right? This is aspirational in some ways to, to oversee not information production, but uh, mission alignment, um, participation, the goal here of an info district is not to create a newspaper funded by the local government. It is to create a mechanism for residents, citizens, work folks who work in the community to have an advocate at an institutional level for their news and information needs, for their communication needs, so that we as regular folks <clears throat> can begin coordinating with one another to solve our own other needs right um, the example I give is I'm a business who is looking to insource in my community I want to spend my money locally and I don't know about other businesses cropping up in the community with which that provide those services and I as an entrepreneur don't know that you know um, the local restaurant would be happy to buy um their cutlery from me so therefore i don't open a cutlery business and there's this you know lack of information at a systemic level the way you're describing right in the colorado university ecosystem is a detriment to the health of the entire ecosystem in terms of the economy in terms of people's health outcomes there's research, you know, there's plenty of research that shows that having a local newspaper <clears throat> or, you know, for, uh, for, for purpose of discussion, a dedicated local news organization uh, reduces the cost of borrowing to taxpayers, it increases public health outcomes, it decreases pollution, um, it increases people's happiness, rates of happiness go up, and um, or rather, I believe I, I misspeak, it's connectedness to your community goes up. Like the sensation of feeling not alone, um, increases, you feel, you literally feel community and it is measurable and the return on investment to a democratic society, lowercase D democratic society is that folks in focusing like that, they vote more, they get, they run for office more. These are all things that are catalyzed by local news organizations. Um, And imagine if we could take those impacts and then double down on them by making the process by which this journalism gets produced, and we could talk about how we define that, but making the process by which this journalism gets produced more participatory, more decentralized, uh, giving folks, equipping local community members to do some of the things that journalists and public information officers are doing so they can become the thing that improves democracy, rather than relying on their own, the institutions, right? Sort of getting like, there's like there's like a step in between that, that we, we don't need to necessarily rely on, on centers of power and institutions to meet our own needs. If we can connect and convene with one another we can do that ourselves in large part, and I think that's where the vision for an info district really comes from is a, you know, a place that you can feel at home, a place where you can feel safety, a place where you know your neighbors, a place where you don't have to worry about corruption in government because it's participatory and it's engaged and you have institutions who are responsive to your needs, and I believe that the info district's process, which is convening forums understanding pe- people's information needs um, working with them to develop solutions that process is in of itself an outcome um, and it builds capacity and it equips folks to repeat those process with processes with any other issues they face
0: well we'll, we'll get into the into the specifics of the process a bit more um, but but I want to um... As too, just to frame this in the context of of Longmont, how you first learned about um, the effort to adopt this model in Longmont. Now, this is a town, remember, where, uh, you know, the local newspaper, The Times Calls recently uh, removed its office from the town. It's it's actually reporting on. It's now uh, based in Boulder. Uh, So this is another story of a kind of withdrawal of local news. Now, when did you first hear that this is uh, that this was afoot?
1: So the, um, the, some of the local stakeholders and organizers reached out to me a month or two ago, letting me know that there's all this action happening on the ground, um, leading towards, um, the potential creation of a library district in Longmont that may also have some sort of local news and information capacity. and I don't want to speak in too much detail about Longmont because that is, you know, I want to make sure that the local organizers and local folks on the ground, grassroots folks are the ones who, you know, maintain their narrative and and, and, and really tell their story. But it's been really remarkable to watch um, and be able to sort of have conversations with folks going through this process to understand, you know, what are some of the very what you know what are the what are the speed bumps that arrive really really quickly potentially depending on certain approaches um and then what you know what where does where do things go after they've been launched and catalyzed seeing that has been has been really inspirational and been um and has led me to really sit down and figure out what the next step I need to take in terms of organizing an info district myself is, because you know I've been writing about this and thinking about this for quite a while, and, and I haven't yet had the opportunity uh, to do this in, while conducting all of this research to figure out what it looks like and what the process is. So Longmont has certainly been an inspiration and, and led me to you know, get my ass in gear <laughs> uh, as it relates to beginning to organize uh, at a local level in my own community.
0: You're listening to Looks Like New. We've been speaking with Simon Galperin, who's the founder and director of the Community Information Cooperative, which develops and promotes this idea of community information districts, which is a model that's being considered uh, in Longmont, Colorado right now. Stick with us and we'll be back. This program is brought to you by the KGNU Listener members and by Quish Sustainable Wealth. Welcome back to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio, a show that asks old questions about new tech. This month we're speaking with Simon Galperin about the idea of community information districts, an idea that's being considered right now in Longmont, Colorado, an idea for creating a a public uh, support, a democratic public institution that could support uh, journalism and other news circulation uh, in a community. Simon, can you walk us through how this might work? Give us a sense of what kinds of mechanisms would be in, involved for creating an information district, and how people would start getting involved, and what it would actually achieve. How the the, the funding that it raises would start um, going into the community.
1: Sure. Um, so the outline for an ideal process, right? I think that it's really important to start with an understanding of what our ideals are and what our values are and make sure our whole process is aligned to those values. So what that looks like is first as an individual, as an organizer, beginning to map sort of the news and information ecosystem, where is communication, where is information? How does it flow? Where are centers of, of, where are nodes in the network, where information passes f- from one person to another, from one organization to another, um, conducting in- interviews with institutional stakeholders, conducting, a- beginning to conduct a survey of folks in town to understand their information needs, right? The regular um, regular, Joe, regular, Joe and Jane Schmo um, types, not to disparage them, but to just say that we need to be centering People who are typically ignored, and what I mean is, what I mean by that is that there are institutions who've been functioning that have been functioning for quite a while, sort of uh, based on their own momentum, not based on serving the needs of everyday people in a community.
0: So it's it's a, it starts with a community organizing project. It's not just a, a policy hack that a few people uh, should implement at the high level and then see what follows.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because this is the thing, this is, first special service districts have been traditionally abused by power. Um, So not only do we have to specifically avoid perpetuating the same sort of institutional abuses of special service district legislation, but also acknowledge uh, the shortcomings of local media and um, community information providers and the way we do that is by being radically transparent and and centering the people who we typically ignored and who are often easiest to ignore. Um, in the communities that I'm from, that is, you know, that is people of color, that is LGBTQ folk, that is poor people, it is working class people we have to start by centering their voices because those are the people who are actually um most affected by this lack of local news and information um so you start with the community organizing effort and you do that not to get to your intended outcome which may or may not be an info district but to understand people's needs um because the you can launch a local public subsidy for your news organization. That's, you know, that's happened. That's not very difficult to imagine. But to trans, begin transforming your community into one that is more responsive to the needs of folks, from their information needs to their democratic needs, that takes community organizing. And that takes building bridges and consensus and a collective process that's equitable and seeks to maximize equity. So you go through a community organizing campaign. So I'm sorry. So you go through a community organizing campaign. um, You conduct, you know, community forums and listening sessions, and you put together a document that says, hey, this is what I found. Um, This is what our needs are on the community. And through that process, hopefully you've trained and equipped folks to, you know, repeat your process in their own communities and maybe join volunteer working groups to dig into particular issues that have arisen. Um, You work with those folks uh, to develop and research solutions to their needs. And once you're at a place where we have an outline for what an ideal information ecosystem might look like for our community, there are two steps. You can turn to your existing institutions, your libraries, your city councils, your universities, and say, hey, we need this. Can you provide it? And we'll help, you know, by participating, by volunteering, by helping do do some of that production. Um, And if they say no, if you happen to be in a community where you have initiative and referendum power as, as a populace, you start a petition and you try to get a question to launch an info district on your ballot. Um, and that's the process. I mean, it is, it is a year, 18 months, and it may not even result in what the organizer intends, but it is again, an outcome in and of itself. The process is the product is something I think about a lot. Um, and if we, if I disappeared tomorrow my process should have hopefully had enough of an impact to let the work um, the work live on. And I think that that is the key here with an info district is to really remove one's ego, one's, one, an organizer's ego um, from the process and lead through facilitation. And, and I think that is, that, that, that is the one thing that I think an info district, you know, a summary of the info district process is... Leading, leading a community through facilitation.
0: Now, so you've gotten to this point, maybe where you've, you've gotten something on the ballot to create a, a district. You've passed it, so now you've got a district. What is it? It's it's a it's a tax that might be levied on the population. How does that tax work? Um, uh, is uh, then what happens with the money that is collected in that tax?
1: Absolutely. So this is these are the sorts of questions that is. That where the answer is different for every community depending on local laws and also sort of local landscapes. Um, in the case of New Jersey where I've sort of done the most research um, is that it is a tax through your property tax. Um, that money gets collected and given ostensibly to a nonprofit board, an organization called in New Jersey a district management corporation, um, but it is effectively a, a organization partnered with the the local government um, via sort of the existence of a, via the legislation, via the ordinance re- established by the local government um, to oversee the pool of money. And the services that money provides that could be that could look like a couple of different things. That could look like a individual organization that does media literacy trainings and teaches high school kids to document public meetings, um, and prints a, a newsletter for senior citizens and does all these things itself. Um, it might look like a foundation, a community foundation where the board is. Uh, effectively puts out requests for proposals around certain questions and needs and oversees what looks like grant ma- grant making. Or it might look like a community going through this process and deciding that they want to buy the um, or, 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 or get a, or purchase a stake in a local organization, um, a local newspaper, a local public TV station, Oh, sorry, a local TV station, um, that sort of thing. Um, But then I wanna say that what else it looks like is that it might not look like what we think of as a traditional news organization. Um, People might say, well, we need Wi-Fi and they'll launch a public Wi-Fi network. Uh, Or they'll say, we really need to, in the case of Longmont, again, we need this to be a library thing, right? We need to invest in the, uh, some of our existing institutions, and then if we can provide additional services through them, that's wonderful. But our first priority is is looking at how we could support the institutions that have been just that have been underinvested in it for years. Um, and, so, and that's the thing is that we don't know what this is going to look like. We don't know what it's going to look like in Longmont and definitely no clue what it's going to look like in New Jersey over the next year or two as we begin this process here. But um, I I point to the process as the outcome again, um, because I, I think that this sort of process of convening and dialogue and deliberation is missing from society as a democratic practice. And that is ultimately the role of journalists, is to cultivate a democratic practice among their communities and their audiences. Um, and that's why I think that info districts, whether they are successful or not in the future, are, prolifer- uh, are, are, are everywhere or nowhere in the future. The process is going to lead us towards more positive outcomes.
0: Well, the, the example of Longmont points to the power of, of that kind of process and the way it can lead to um even unexpected outcomes i mean for instance in the on the, the national landscape there's actually kind of uh, uh the knowledge of the boulder effort to buy you know the local power company is uh fairly widespread you know i when i travel around i hear people you know people ask how is that going um but v- much uh rarer do people know that um uh, longmont al- already has a municipal power company and uh it was because of that legacy of having a municipal power company for a century, that it was able to build a municipal broadband network um, uh, and uh, uh, is able to provide some of the highest speed internet in in the country uh, uh, through that network built on the basis of that existing power company. And, And so in a way, Longmont already has experience with what Uh, an info district could look like, at least on that infrastructural level, and so maybe it's not such a large leap for Longmont uh, to move into another phase, uh, uh, as opposed to a community that doesn't have any of those uh, uh, kind of uh, community assets in place already. Um, and, And so how would you answer the concern about political interference? Uh, uh, when people say this will just produce government-run media. I mean, even if there's this nice organizing and participatory process, um, do you imagine that you would need particular firewalls to, to prevent uh, uh, politicians, uh, uh, leaders, people in power from uh, interfering with the kinds of information that are being circulated? And if, if you do prevent that, you know, who gets to decide uh, what is produced uh, uh, what is developed through this uh, through an info district?
1: Absolutely. I think that's a really important question. Um, I also don't think it's we can disassociate that question from the same question for private media. I think that um, the history of private media colluding with private interests is well documented. And if we just have a superficial review of sort of the ownership and the practices, of some of our major media institutions, we would find that you uh, know they are not ideal. That said, I think that public funding is more treacherous in a lot of ways because of how people define partisanship um, and expect a level of neutrality or objectivity that is not necessarily actually media literate. So I think that the, again, you mentioned this as not necessarily an institutional firewall, but the, a public firewall of an organization dedicated to informing the public about its own processes and the power it plays in a community is very, very important. And a leaning into that for an organization is very, very important. And I think that organizers would that I think that organizers going through these processes really need to exemplify the ideal in order to, so that when the institution is created, it continues to sort of lean into that ideal more. So that said there absolutely needs to be firewalls, institutional firewalls against political interference in editorial decisions or staffing decisions any sort of the operational decisions. Um, I think that there's a couple of ways you could do that. The first is again, having a publicly elected board. Um, that is step one, creating accountability outside of traditional government structure. Um, that is actually one of the limitations of the library district in legislation in Colorado. Uh, they'll, board is not overseen the board is rather effectively overseen in in a significant way by the government that creates it so there's actually legislation introduced in the colorado state house i believe to allow governments to make library district boards elected um but i don't think it got out of committee so there's that there's that way to do that and then the other way to do that Um, given the limitations of the library district methodology, is by mandating a participatory budgeting campaign, um, saying that X amount of dollars of our budget will be dedicated to funding the results of a participatory budgeting campaign, effectively institutionalizing a radically democratic process for the pool of money that's intended to serve democratic news and information needs. There's also, of course, the way the legislation is drafted, who sits on the board, who oversees the process, having words like this organization will have editorial independence in the law. Um, So at the very least, there is uh, a way to hold people accountable if they break that law. Um, And this is, we saw this in New Jersey um, in the Free Press effort. Free Press is a national uh, advocacy organization. Um, They worked with locals here on the ground in New Jersey to fund the establishment of something called the Civic Information Consortium, which is a public charity created um, as a result of New Jersey's windfall in selling off its public broadcasting licenses rather some of its airway right some of its broadcast spectrum i apologize some of its broadcast spectrum so this was passed at the state house and unanimously in the assembly and with only one detractor in the senate and that's indicative of legislation that was written in a way that it would guarantee the editorial dependence of this institution, um, dedicate certain parts of the board to certain members of the community. Um, Another mechanism it used was saying that every project needs to be partnered with a local university. So create an additional sort of public accountability mechanism there by requiring a public partner. Um, So there are ways that we can address these issues. I think that outright, writing off the idea of local public funding because of some vague conception about editorial independence um i think that that's that's the wrong approach i also want to say that there is an important conversation here about journalism and capital j journalism that needs to be had we're not necessarily talking about funding a watchdog investigative newsroom what we're talking about doing is understanding what information needs frustrate people in their daily lives in small and big ways and building products and services that solve those needs. Not necessarily funding a reporter who's going to sift through the town budget every year to find every penny of corruption. Um, There are opportunities for info districts to coordinate on a broader level, let's say if a county had ten info districts, the respective info district could decide to pay for part of the salary of a countywide reporter who would sit in the county seat and do a lot of the reporting that local news organizations have sort of been unable to, given market forces. Um, so there, are, so there. Are this again, I I emphasize the process and if we can address begin addressing all these challenges from the get-go by committing to an equitable process that includes that net doesn't leave anybody behind and make sure that everyone feels comfortable through this pro- along the way um the question of government intervention in your local news ecosystem i think will be less prevalent once we begin seeing what that process looks like and what those outcomes might actually begin to feel like
0: you're listening to looks like new we've been speaking with simon galprin who's founder and director of the community information cooperative which develops and promotes the idea of community information districts which is an idea that's now being considered in longmont colorado we'll be right back
1: did you know you can name kgnu as a beneficiary in your insurance policy or individual retirement account? Yes, and you may receive additional financial benefits as well. The next time you meet your advisors to review your estate or long-term financial plans, please remember you can include KGNU. For more information on creating a legacy gift in your name, please call Sarah at 303-449-4885 or visit kgnu.org.
0: Welcome back to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio, a show that asks old questions about new tech. This month, we're speaking with Simon Galperin. He's the founder and director of the Community Information Cooperative, which develops and promotes the idea of community information districts. Uh, this is an idea that's being uh, discussed and considered in Longmont, Colorado. Um, it's an idea that would enable, on the model of a library district, a community to assess attacks uh, and use that uh, income to support uh, local information infrastructure. That might mean journalism, that might mean um, uh, other forms of information clearing houses. Simon, can you tell us about how you see this, as you've been in talking about it with people over the years, um, how you see this idea of, of info districts fitting into other proposals for the future of journalism and information? How does it compare to what else you hear being discussed? Put it on the map for us.
1: Um, I don't think that the solution to the local news crisis or the crisis of trust in journalism is technological. Um, There are absolutely different kinds of news products and services that organizations need to be providing. Um, But the fundamental change that needs to occur is a process-based change. I think that there are a couple of places where that's happening. I think that's happening at City Bureau in Chicago, a local civic journalism lab based out of the south side of Chicago, where their innovation has been seeking to democratize journalism, decentralize its power. Um, the membership puzzle project is doing really interesting work researching and documenting how news organizations are adopting membership, which is um, as close to audience, uh, audience-owned audience co-ops as news organizations have gotten to in, in a big way. Um, there's really interesting work happening in Akron, Ohio with the Devil Strip. They're launching the first, they're transitioning to a audience-owned cooperative uh, as a hyperlocal organization or as a local org. Um, and I, th- I think that's th- the ecosystem that we're pushing is saying, look, we know what these processes look like. We have examples of you know, non-professional r- reporter cores, Around the country, we have a guidebook for listening to people's information needs and developing products that meet those needs. We have examples of innovation that directly follow that playbook, um, where organizations like Outlier Media in Detroit use text messaging to deliver public housing data to folks um, and empowering them with that data and that information. So there's all these processes and outlines and 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 playbooks that are available to us and the question is how do we implement them how do we fund them and that's where the info district model comes in it's a it's a business model innovation it's a revenue model innovation not necessarily a sort of new news product or a new news service
0: that's right. And and I think it's so important to recognize that the need for that, you know, when we when we look at any other industry, there are the private goods, there are the private innovations, uh, but there's often a need for and a role for um, uh, public goods to be created in a different way, um, not just in the private market. And, and in so many of the conversations about the future of journalism, you hear, you know, a lot of faith on uh, uh, what the next model is going to be. You mentioned technology, certainly that too. Uh, but also, could we just come up with a magic business model that will solve this? Or could some rich person please just come in and and fund the next uh, wave of things, the next uh, thousand Pro Publicas? Um, yet somehow that doesn't happen, and uh, and and we we continually find ourselves in this um, uh, in this with this lack of public goods and wondering what happened to them when we have kind of. Uh, uh, allowed funding for libraries and subsidies for journalism to disappear. Um, uh, so it's, it's a, it, I think it's important to turn to that public side. Um, now, what do you, in this process in, in, um, in Longmont, what are you looking for as you think about um, what the next phases might be? What are the open questions in your mind um, when you think about how info districts might be applied in new places? Uh, elsewhere around the country,
1: the first thing I found in beginning to think outside of New Jersey, which is again where we were where we're based and where the work started, so that's why we focused on it. Um, Colorado doesn't have as pliable, let's call them special service district rules. They're relatively specific. Um, Thankfully, Colorado also has a variety of special service districts where the library district is the one best suited for for an info district approach. I think that what I've learned, not necessarily so much from the Longmont effort, but over the last year or so, and in thinking about the cooperative movement more broadly, is that we don't necessarily need to have... An institution that is a co-op, that is an institution that is an info district, um, to act in a participatory and lowercase d again democratic manner. Um, I say lowercase d because my parents once said that calling something democratic is triggering to partisans. So I was like, so now I say lowercase democratic d. Um, so what? It, but anyway, what it points to me is that is that we don't necessarily have, have to have an info district in place for a local government to act like an info district. So there is plenty of public money being spent on local news and information by counties and local governments, everything from legal notices to full on subsidies of news organizations in some places to public marketing, right? To local government marketing and events, all the website, community of information officers, social media, Uh, folks so that all this money is already being spent on this so the place we go is to say okay so maybe let's not start with the heavy lift of an info district of establishing something completely new maybe there's an opportunity for us to build within what already exists um, and improve existing institutions rather than necessarily recreating them
0: great Yeah, and and, I mean, I think that that approach makes a lot of sense. It's very flexible and adaptable to particular contexts. Are are there other places that are starting to discuss this idea? Other um, communities that are um, considering uh, implementing an info district?
1: Um, Not that I know of. Um, We've had interest, obviously, from a a couple of different places: Detroit, Chicago, uh, Oakland. Brazil, even the UK, because the model of a, a improvement district, actually, a bu- the business improvement district model, has um, has been um, exported in, in 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 certain places. Um, so people have had an interest in it, but no, no one other than Longmont. Longmont's actually the first place where I, um, as far as I'm aware, where somebody said, "Okay, what can we do about our local news crisis?" and can we create a public funding mechanism to meet our local news and information needs? So, you know, no matter how it turns out, the work in Longmont has been uh, groundbreaking because it is the first step in this conversation um, in Colorado, as far as I'm aware, and as far as I'm aware in the US.
0: Well, we like to be first. So uh, I, uh, <laughs> so that's fitting. And, um, uh, are there any warnings based on your thinking about this stuff uh, for so long that you would suggest that people working around this in Longmont consider? Um, what do you think could go wrong?
1: Sure. Um, so this is not speaking as a, as a critique of Longmont or, or as an observation of the Longmont effort at all. And more a more broad set of warnings is that... Um, Having these efforts go by perpetuating marginalization, ignoring voices that have been previously ignored. Colorado is probably not a place where indigenous communities have a lot of say in the land that was once theirs, or in how natural resources get spent, or public resources get spent. where I come, and and I'm, you know, people of color in general in in the United States have been traditionally underserved and marginalized, Um, and working class people, people in poverty, these are groups of people who have, who are really easy to ignore. And the number one priority of anybody leading an info district effort should be to make sure the people who aren't in the room today are in the room tomorrow and are leading the discussion, not just getting to respond to it. So I think that's really, really important. A centering of justice in your work, restorative justice through this process is really, really, is a really, really critical component to what I think of as success. And then the other thing that I think that is really important to watch out for is individualism. This is not about an individual doing something, getting their news organization funded or going down in the history books. That is is not what this effort is about. So watching out for ego, watching out for anti-democratic practice is the number two. Right. So the first part is inclusivity. To make sure that everybody who every not right, I mean, not every room can't a room cannot possibly have everybody in it, but at your goal as a leader is to make sure that the right people are in the room, and by the right people, we mean the people who've been ignored, inclusivity. And the second piece of that is is a real commitment to democracy and letting yourself and your ego go as an organizer and facilitating, again, leadership through facilitation in your community. And those are the sort of the, the two key things that I think are super, super critical.
0: Now, where would you point people to learn more about the, the InfoDistrict uh, model in general?
1: Sure, so we have infodistricts.org, um, which is our website. Um, you could follow us at info districts on Twitter. Uh, we'll be releasing in the coming month our in how to launch an info districts draft, sorry, our, how to launch an info districts guide, uh, which is a collaborative document, um, that'll be iterative to make sure that we're continuing to keep pace with the work on the ground in places like Longmont and hopefully other communities in the U S who begin to explore this effort. Um, so, you know, follow us on those channels um, on our website where we have a newsletter on Twitter if they'd like, and we can, uh, and keep an eye out for that guide. And we uh, hope that it could be an inspiration and a catalyst for folks to sort of seize the means of information production in their own communities um, and begin um, relying on themselves to meet their own local news and information needs.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us, Simon Galperin. Uh, This has been really helpful. You've been listening to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio, a show that asks old questions about new tech. We've been speaking with Simon Galperin, who's the founder and director of the Community Information Cooperative, which uh, develops and promotes the idea of community information districts, an idea that uh, Longmont, Colorado is now considering Um, You can find out more at at infodistricts.org. I'm Nathan Schneider, a professor of media studies at CU Boulder. Looks like new is a production of CU's Media Enterprise Design Lab. You can find out more about our work at cmci.colorado.edu. If you liked what you heard, please spread the word about this show and consider leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'd also love to hear from you with comments and guest ideas. You can reach me at medlab at colorado.edu. I hope you'll join us next month.